Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Hello and welcome back to Angel Talks Life. If this is your first time here, well, you are in for a treat. On this show, we talk about current events from a Christian perspective, lifestyle tips and hacks to improve your productivity, and of course, our faith in God. So stay tuned for this episode of Angel Talks Life. Hello and welcome back to Angel Talks Life podcast. So I'm starting a new series and this is the opinion series. Um, I am a black Christian woman and I don't see anyone talking about the current events from my perspective or from a black Christian woman's perspective. I hear a lot of, hey, you know, you should really, you know, pray about it. I get that and I do. But what about how we deal with certain issues and really how we feel today. So today is going to be a pretty engaging topic because I am going to explore how the Christian black woman is um, going through the these current events with the pandemic and everything. What What's my perspective from a black Christian woman's perspective? And that's not to trump any other person's perspective, but it is to put it out there. Um, If you agree with it or disagree, I still would like to hear both sides. All right, so let's get right into the show. In today's show, I am going to be talking about four different issues that are ongoing, but um, I'm going to... Start with one that I believe um, is pretty controversial because people get pissed off every time I talk about it, but I'm going to say it anyways. I do not stand with Black Lives Matter. Now, before you rip my head off, the reason why I don't stand for Black Lives Matter in, in, in entirety is because of their use of language when they explain their mission. Their use of language is more so for the LGBTQ plus community. And it is very, excuse me, it is put into, you can read it. When you go to the website and you go to the about their mission and you'll see that, yes, they do fight for racial justice, but under the underlining agenda um, is for the LGBTQ plus community. Now, let me um, emphasize one thing. I'm not coming against any activists for the LGBTQ plus community, but what I am coming against is to put it under the guise of Black Lives Matter that I'm also fighting for LGBTQ plus community. Why is it together? <laughs> if I w- I'm fighting for Black Lives Matter, I'm not fighting for the racial, the oppression of LGBTQ plus. Let's stick to race, racial injustice. And to expand it beyond that, you know, that's something different because the LGBTQ plus community has so many different divisions in it as it is. I don't think we can touch that and fight for racial injustice at the same time. I mean, they fight you know, the transgenders, they have arguments over who looks more feminine, you know, those, you know, and I'm not saying that to demean the, the, what they do. 
I personally am not going to fight for it because it has nothing to do with me. Black Lives Matters and systemic racism and racial injustice has everything to do with me. I don't want to fight both battles. I want to fight one battle. I want to fight against what I've had to deal with with 30 plus years. Now, if you are gay, then at some point when you began sexual activity, that's when you began fighting for that. I am not there with you. Okay. I'm not there with you. I've been black my whole life. Okay. I want to fight against that. So that's my thing with the black lives matter. And you know, I understand if you feel different about it, that's fine, but I do not stand in entirety with it. I have written an article at angeltalkslife.com explaining, um, more in depth what, why I do not stand with it. And I do advocate for people not to stand with them. Um, and you say, well, you know, they're the only, um, you know, organization is fighting for us and things like that. Mm, okay. Black Lives Matter um, has exposed what the injustices. And I absolutely love that. But as far as bringing what we really need to get over systemic racism, I have not seen, I, I personally have not seen the right actions being taken to get to that point. I've seen protests without requests. And, 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 you know, and I see that we're still asking for the same thing, but at some point I believe, okay, when, when do we take it to the courts? I have not seen anybody sue anybody. Anytime you're fighting for something like that, you start suing people. You sue the government. You say, this is what it is. The, the, I feel like that using Black Lives Matter and making it a national name, global, actually, excuse me, global name where everybody's using it has brought them a lot of funds, but I still have not seen any action behind all of the reaction that has happened due to the George Floyd case. So that is where I stand with that. Now, that's my opinion. From a Christian perspective, we are told to love everyone. And as Christians, we are able to judge one another's actions, not to demean one another, but to judge and say, hey, that's not right. Okay. We are able to say that. And so in this case with Black Lives Matter, I am taking the fact that I do love everybody, but I want to fight for what I need to fight for. And that is the inequality that has been here for 400 plus years. And it is still ongoing. And right now is heightened more than ever in the millennials lives. We did not see civil rights, but we are seeing our version of it today. And I think that we have the opportunity to make a stance and we need to use the timing correctly um, and put pressure on the politicians. It is election year. So that is where I stand with Black Lives Matter. And we're going to move on to the next topic. Okay, so if I took you on a little doozy with the last topic I was talking about, um, I think this one is going to um, really ruffle your feathers before I get into the third topic. 
And this one really has to do <clears throat> with the churches. Mm -hmm. So let me start off with a lot of uh, black people um, say that Christianity was used to bring us to basically to make us slaves. And a lot of people, you know, a lot of black people have a disdain for the church. They have a disdain for Christianity and, you know, feel like that that the way that it was used, we were, it was forced upon us and they don't want to have that practice something that was forced upon us and put us basically in oppression. I get it. Now, at the same time, at the same moment, you know, I still have to say the Bible is still available. It is not banned. It is still an open book. You can go and find out for yourself what it is and what it, what it meant. The way the messenger they they have to go before God with how they brought the message to us. That's not my problem anymore. And yes, I do acknowledge that that was how it was brought to many of us. But that's not my problem anymore anymore because I have engaged God for myself in 2020. And I had the and because I've engaged God for myself in 2020, I've been able to know my identity, know that I'm not less than or should feel inferior, or should, you know, or be under anybody and that I should treat people a certain way. And that's it. You know, even Jesus told us people basically folks are flaky. He knew man's heart, you know, so don't put your trust in them, you know, and those are the things that I understand. But with me saying that the Bible is available to everyone here in America. So just using that fact of how we receive the message to come um, as an, a, a way to not be in Christianity. Um. Yeah, you'll have to answer for that for yourself before God. That has nothing to do with me. I believe that you have the Bible. You can find out for yourself and it will change your life. <laughs> it will absolutely change your life. Now, as far as the churches, let me explain this. I um, have attended a Christian college. It was predominantly white. I've been a part of many different uh, church organizations, and there is a distinctive difference in white churches and black churches. I say, this is my personal opinion, a lot of black churches are fear-based. A lot of white churches are superiority-based. You know, we, we belong with Jesus, but you know, he gave us the gospel, you know, that kind of thinking. And those two thought processes, it's like, well, where do you find yourself as this beautiful black woman of God who knows that she is more than a conqueror and she's not inferior to any, you know, to anyone. She has her place. She has what God has will for her to do in this earth. She does not live by fear. Like, where do you find yourself between these two different spectrums? And the reason I'm bringing that up is because in our in the in these times that we are now in we see that um a lot of the churches um have not and it really breaks my heart they have a lot of the white churches they typically and i hate to say this but white churches typically have more money um, and they typically have more influence on politics because if you know anything about nonprofit organizations, they can influence politics and they can give money to different um, 
organizations. So while they do have that power, I still am upset that they have not unified with, um, they, not all of them have unified with black community. They're increasingly standing for their, what they believe. And a lot of what they believe is, you know, uh, I'm trying to say this in the nicest way possible, is racist. <laughs> it's just, is racist. Um, yeah, I, I, and I, I believe it's still that white supremacy that's overlaying over the white, you know, the white church. And I really, you know, I, I really hate talking about the church like this because um, I love church. I'm a church girl. I love church. But to see the differences, like churches will just will make a point to tell you that we're going we're we're standing with the NRA. What does this have to do with anything? You know, it's fight against freedom with the NRA. Um that's that's not a poli- that's a political thing. That's not for us to be unified. That creates <laughs> division to be quite honest with you. I feel like they should not be talking about those certain topics in a way that is not generalized, but people have freedom of speech. But I just feel like that it, it, if, if a conversation um, amongst people cannot be discussed where everybody can put their input in and they come to a general consensus, or, you know, everybody can understand and be okay with everybody's different opinions, then I don't really think it needs to be discussed personally. Um, so that's just my thoughts on some of the white evangelical white you know faith leaders who have not stood up for the black community and then you can even see it now um they are fighting to open their churches and meet in the middle of a pandemic you're like wait what you know it's not it's not safe you know but they're like no we're fighting Okay, I feel like you're a subtle, you know, you're really trying to push the agenda of the president, despite what everything is saying. Did we make this, you know, a prayerful decision? No, this is, you know, we're fighting against, you know, fighting against Satan and, you know, and different things like that. And, you know, I it, that really made it very confusing and complex to think that having the church um, closed to meeting with members was um, a way that Satan was working against us and we should fight against what Satan is doing by meeting in the church despite a virus. That was very confusing and complex for me to consider. I understand where they're coming from, but at the same time, I'm going, (sighs) it's the middle of a pandemic. If anything, if anything, God, we should take an example from God that he was able to change with the times. He meets us where we are. And this time we should explore the opportunity to spread to the masses other than a Facebook live. Just saying, you got other avenues, 
let's create some innovative ideas to be able to spread to the masses throughout the week to keep them encouraged, not just on Sunday. You can go every day now. Hello. You don't have to just go on Sundays. But that that's that's what I think should be happening with the churches during the pandemic, but they're more concerned about pushing a political agenda. And that is really upsetting. And from my black woman perspective, I feel hurt. I feel very hurt um, that they still are not considering that they're influencing white supremacy. Point blank period. So yeah. All right, I'm going to go to break and I'll be right back with the next part of this episode. So I'm going to follow up the last um, section that I had with this short (laughs) personal story that I can that can explain more about how I feel. So I was a part of an organization that um, helped. Um, the homeless. And one thing that's my love, I love working for nonprofit organizations. I love working. Um, My dream is to have my own um, to help homeless single women um, and homeless single fathers and their children and, um, you know, people that have just gotten out of prison and are looking to reestablish their lives. That is my dream. So I was working at this organization earlier this year. Um, and I, you know, I had been working there for the past two years and I knew there was some inconsistencies. I was like, wait a minute, this just doesn't seem right. And there was some inconsistencies with how the staffing was and how operations were um, being held. So for a school project, I was getting my ma- master's degree. For a school project, I was told to um, what is it to write a, not a review, but to basically write about some of the things that I saw were wrong in the organization. Well, I did that and I did it in a, you know, a very professional format. I sent it to my professor and he said, this is amazing. You should send it to them. And I said, okay, you know, I thank you. I really put some hard work into it. So I typed it up. I sent it to the associate executive director. He was not the executive director, who's just like the CEO. He was the associate. Um, he was a black guy. I had interviewed him for the paper. And so I sent it to him. So after I sent it to him, I didn't hear anything for a few weeks. And then I was approached by my immediate boss. Um, and she just seemed so hurt. And I was like, what in the world is going on? She was like, I just feel like that you wrote this basically like to hurt them. I was like, no, I was really trying to bring some light to some things that I saw. And, uh, you know, I was really speaking about how there was a lot of white people at the top of the organization and all the black people were at pretty much entry level organ uh, entry level, but the black people at the entry level held doctorates, multiple master's degrees. They were very well versed in the work that we were doing. You know, I think it was just two of us that had the least amount of degrees um, out of the black people. And I was just like, oh my goodness, no. And so um, basically I had to apologize for everything I wrote in the paper. 
Well, needless to say, I left um, the organization. I took a, you know, had some other things going on and I ended up taking an internship and, you know, going on about life and I didn't return after the internship. And then I get a phone call and people are just calling me, calling me, calling me one day. And they're like, did you hear what happened? I'm like, hear what happened? What happened? They were like, the the, um, the executive director came and apologized to everyone because he realized that through the racism and the, um, that has been, you know, the racial injustice that's been everywhere that he himself has been racist. I said, wait a minute. And he apologized for it and said that he believes, or he knows that a lot of people that are in certain positions are not in the position they should be, particularly because of race. And it just blew my mind. It actually really hurt my feelings because I knew who and what he was talking about. I was just like, oh my gosh, okay. So um, that's just a personal example that our leaders probably don't know. You know, evangelical faith leaders probably don't know that they are dripping in white supremacy and that's what needs to be brought to the forefront because um yeah it's an issue all right we'll be right back after this so there are two current events that i would like to discuss the first is the fight against the nra so, um, the attorney, there's a lawsuit against the NRA, um, the New York attorney general, she has, uh, Leticia James filed the lawsuit on Thursday, Thursday. Um, she alleged that the national rifle association was a terrorist group. Um, she said that basically they've been diverting, uh, millions of dollars from the group to, um, other expenses to fund uh, different groups and to pay um, relatives or close associates expenses. And she couldn't, you know, honestly, I believe she's probably privy to some information and she sees some things and she's like, yeah, okay. And she's not letting up off of this lawsuit. And the reason she's able to sue them is because the National Rifle Association is founded in New York, um, in the New York state. So my, um, idea on that was I, you know, I'm a gun toter, first of all, Gazillion carry, you know, so I'm not against the, you know, the national national rifle association, but I understand what Miss James is saying. Miss James is telling us that these, the national rifle association is a cover-up for some undercover agendas that needed to be funded. And that's how they fund it. And I agree with what she is saying because it is true. Uh, you don't need to have, um, you know, I wish she could bring some information to us. Um, to show us, you know, what she's seeing, but I know that she's been privy to some information to make her make that move. And I'm thankful for that. Now I have been watching, um, several Christian programs by different, um, 
groups and they have been asking people to pray that you know this has this does not happen um that the nra can stay because it's our freedom and a lot of times you know i mean let me put it like this if the nra was defunded and closed i believe it would help the black community still even though i'm a gun toter i believe it will help the black community i believe that the um the reason why we want to keep the uh why it is necessary for the nra to stay in effect is because guns is a part of that a part of a culture that can bring justice on their own do you understand what i'm saying when i say that so at one point you had the hangings now you have guns you can bring justice on your own let's think of aubrey yeah aubrey was shot you know and there was no court case there was nothing to show that this man was guilty of what they thought he was guilty for and they were able to bring justice based on their perspective and i do know that is wrong it's just plain old wrong and so for that reason i don't you know i don't i feel indifferent because I believe, yeah, if it was defunded, I wouldn't be mad. If it stays, I believe their initiatives and the and the mon and the IRS should monitor who they are funding. Um, and I think they have some leeway when it comes to the IRS looking at their their records. But that's all hearsay. <laughs> that's not something I can put you know, say that it's for, for for certain, excuse me. But um, yeah, I would like to hear your thoughts on the lawsuit against the NRA. The second thing I wanted to talk about is, I'll be right back. We're going to have a 51st state. Y'all, we are talking about DC becoming the 51st state in America. And we are fight. people are fighting it. And I'm going to tell you why they're fighting it. First, if DC becomes the 51st state, you know, there are going to be two Democratic seats in the Senate. And that is going to be in quotation marks, unfair um, for um, bills and things to be passed. Right now we have the House Speaker. Um, ooh, excuse me. Um, Nancy Pelosi, who's really fighting for DC to become uh, a state. And I, the reason I'm bringing that up is because I do, there is a petition, um, that you can sign for DC to become a state and I will give you that. But a lot of Christians are opposing, well, no, excuse me, let me bring that back. A lot of Christians are not opposing this. A lot of politicians are opposing this because of course we know district of Columbia is predominantly black. And so it's predominantly black and they've kept it in this, not only what is it predominantly black, but it was designed by a black man. Hello. But, um, those, you know, it's, it, we don't, what I don't understand is why has it not been a state? We have Washington DC. I would like to know which Washington I'm talking about, one being a state and one being a city, really. So yes, I would love for it to become um, a state. I do think that um, 
the two Democratic seats is, you know, I, I, I personally don't know how to feel about two Democratic seats being in the Senate. I'm not a stout de Democrat by any means. I really vote based off of issues and values and yeah. So I, you know, it's that, I don't know about that, but I do think that DC should become a statehood. <clears throat> they need the rights. They've been operating as one for so long. They need the rights. So if you feel the same way, um, then I've, you can go to dcforms.dc.gov and you can sign a petition um, to for DC to become a statehood. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Angel Talks Life opinion. Um, I will be bringing more episodes like this one. If you have a topic that you would like for me to discuss, please email me at contact at angeltalkslife.com. If you would like to have your comments added to this podcast, please go to Anchor FM and you will see Angel Talk and type in Angel Talks Life and you can leave me a voice message there. I'll be able to review it and add it in. Of course, this, these are some controversial topics that I have discussed today. I would love to know your opinion on them. I'm going to be here every Monday and Wednesday giving you my opinion, lifestyle, entrepreneurship, and other topics to discuss. I love you all as always. Follow me at Angel Talks Life on all social media platforms. And until next time.